0: So welcome again to the podcast, and today I'm going to revisit probably my number one most important tip for making video production or very low-budget filmmaking really easy, and that is to always shoot with at least two cameras. Now, my number one tip was always shoot with two cameras, and I'm going to revise that and sort of emphasize at least. The reason is I've got, well, you've probably been, um, if you've been in my uh, documents on my website or my kit.co page or some of the earlier podcast episodes, and you've, you know, noticed the three different levels of my kit, and I've got the minimal kit, the basic kit, and the advanced kit. And you've noticed that the, um, you know, the the main thing is the, the complexity and that is the ease of use and the cost go up, and, and the amount of stuff you have to carry around go up from one kit level to the next. So minimal kit, I've, I've gone over this a number of times in other episodes, but minimal kit is very simple. It's one camera with a GoPro or GoPro style action camera on top. The next level up was the basic kit, and that is two cameras, and then the next level above that is at least three. So two cameras plus one or two. Um, it could be four cameras if you have one that you leave in the studio. But we're going to be focused on the advanced kit today, which is when you add that third camera. And I was, I was doing some shooting and um, just some lens tests. And I went to a scenic location where there was a sunset and very, you know, just silhouetted trees and people walking around talking, looking at the sunset. And it was very beautiful. But what happened is I only had uh, one lens. And yes, it was a zoom, so I could, it was a a wide to medium, the Sigma 18 to 50 2.8 EX. I know it's really. Really, a rare lens. I've I hadn't even heard of it until a couple of weeks ago. But this lens has a you know, for micro four thirds, it's got a fairly wide to a sort of a medium. So I was able to shoot twice and recompose the shot. Um, you know, it's it's with the sunset, you really gotta hurry to do it to make it look like the two shots are shot at the same time. And I don't and so I had to shoot once, recompose, shoot again. And every time I shoot, I'm shooting with my um, my custom settings, and then I'm comparing that to the default settings. So I always do that when I shoot because I always like to show the difference between those settings. So I had to shoot it four times, and I'm doing this while the sun is, you know, the sunset is fading, and I want it to be exactly the same, you know, settings to settings comparison. So it's like I'm really struggling to get this done quickly. And then the sun becomes really spectacular and starts to peek behind the the mountains and I'm thinking to myself, oh, if I just had a telephoto at this point. Now, I'm really wishing I followed my number one tip to always shoot with at least two cameras. But here's here's the thing. I'm going to really emphasize now the third camera or at least the telephoto lens. So, my... Basic kit, my minimal kit, and then also the basic kit, they always base their the two camera method on the principle of one wide and one tight. So that's all I I don't go into more detail, I don't go into the long list of actual shot types that real filmmakers use and they say, well here's the you know here's the long shot, here's the medium shot, here's the full shot, here's the well we call this one a cowboy shot. And then we call this one an extreme close-up shot. And this is just a close-up shot. You know, so there's like, I don't know how many of the, there's like 14 of these different designations. I don't know exactly um, if everyone uses all of them at once. But the point is, I try to keep my system simple and there's only two or three shots. So I have wide, tight, and the third one I call tele. Now, I could just say wide, medium, and tight, but the thing is, in my minimal kit and my basic kit, I always just say wide and tight, because it's a simple concept. It's a it's a it's a faster way to communicate. It's a faster way to think. So, if like you, you're doing a two um, two camera interview shot, like a documentary style, um, you'll have the wide shot and then you'll have the the tight shot, right? So. And those could be technically a medium and a close, or maybe a wide and a medium. But the thing is, it's just two shots. But I'm going to talk about how I realized how important this third shot is that I call tele, or tele, short for telephoto, uh, not to mean short lens, but short for the full word telephoto. And the reason the telephoto is important, even though I would say it's less important than having the first two shots, the the wide and the tight. Well, let's just go through that experience again I had with the sunset and things were changing quick. If I would have had a telephoto lens at that time, I could have gotten a spectacular, you know, sun over, sunsetting setting over the water with the, you know, all the, you know, the water glistening and all that type of thing. It was just amazing. And it was all real. You know, it was just a scene that was just, I was going to say fantastic, but that's the opposite of real. So it was a real scene, and it was really amazing. But I didn't get it. All I, you, can, you can check out what I did get. Um, I just posted a video on YouTube of that Sigma lens test on the Panasonic GX85. And you'll see the two shots. Those two shots were, um, well, four if you count the ones without the corrected settings. But the two shots were... A wide and a medium. So, if I would have had a telephoto, I could have also there was there was a boat going by at one point in the water. Um, there were also some Canadian geese on the water, and that would have been really a good thing to, to close, you know, to get a more close up shot on. And so, there's so many things that you can do with that third shot. Now, there are a lot of other things you can do um, in different scenes, not just sunset with water and boats and things like that, and the sun going over the hills. But there's a variety of things you can do with the this tele shot, my third shot, which I introduce when you get up to the third kit, the advanced kit. And I'm going to talk about a few things, you know, specifics as far as shots, but I'm also going to talk about how to do this because this is something, there's a few different ways to do it in my... Um, with the kit that I have, that is with the cameras and the lenses I have. But what I'm going to try to do is I'm going to try to get to a point where I have a recommendation. But I'm going to give you the current methods and I'm going to talk about some of the pros and cons of each one. So the first method is to add a very affordable and this is probably the most this is the most cost effective method, but it's 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 like it's the one that feels most like juggling and that is to add a vintage uh, 70-300 to lens to one of the two cameras in the Basic kit. So the Basic kit has one prime lens for low light situations and then it has the other lens is simply the kit lens that's the wide angle lens. And I upgrade that wide angle lens to a more low light capable lens in the advanced kit. And then the that prime lens is on a um, a focal reducer from a like a Viltrox or something affordable, so that you can basically take that f- like a fifty one point eight and turn it into a one point two. So what I would do for the basic kit is to take that seventy to three hundred or seventy five to three hundred um, vintage telephoto, and okay before I say vintage too much, I I would say, don't go older than the autofocus era. So when I say vintage, I mean like the 90s where those 70 to 300s were super popular. And those are full frame lenses and some of them are pretty good. Now, I have a lot of those I've tested so you can check out my website for the settings specific to each uh, sensor or camera, but those are a great tool. So, I used to um, sort of stay away from those because I always wanted to get a 70 to 200 2.8. And I, you know, that was always the dream. Well, recently I did. I I mean, I rented one and also I bought an 80 to 200 2.8, which was very affordable. And I found out that those 70 to 300 lenses are such a good tool because they're small and they're lightweight. And they're very affordable. And if you get the right ones, the optical quality is really good. It's totally usable with the cameras that I'm using. So 70 or 75 to 300. Now it's going to be manual focus, even though it's from an autofocus camera, because you're adapting it. So that is going to be something you have to watch. You you know, it's an extra step. But what, what I'm saying is you take this you know, micro four thirds camera that has a 2x crop factor, and you put a 70 to 300 on there. And while the focal reducer is going to take that down a little bit by 0.71x, you're going to get, you know, the equivalent of like a 400 millimeter on full frame as far as cropping is concerned. Now, if you take off the focal reducer and just buy a straight adapter, which is something I recommend if you need a little bit more reach, That 70 to 300 is going to become like a 70, I'm sorry, like a, you know, 600 at the long end of the telephoto. And that, I've used that on the Micro Four Thirds uh, format a number of times for sports and different things like that. And I don't really need a longer lens than that 300 on Micro Four Thirds usually. Now, if you did birds, something like that, smaller things, you might need that, you know, the 100 to 400 leica that's really a good lens and then you have autofocus as well but that's about a thousand dollars so these 70 or 75 to 300s from the 90s are affordable i can get these for about 20 to thirty dollars used um like on an auction site or something like that for you know 10 20 dollars plus shipping and those are great i've got a number of those on my site so and a lot of those on my youtube channel with the tests so That's the first option. Now, the reason I say that's kind of like juggling is because when you set up your shot, you're going to do two things. You've got the camera cage with two, if you've seen my setup, it's got two cameras on one cage. So that puts the wide angle shot on the bottom of the cage where a camera is supposed to go. And then on the top, you'll be putting your second camera up there. Now, quickly, just sort of going up to the advanced kit really quick. Options number two and three are going to be very interesting because option number two is going to be putting three cameras on this single cage. And I know putting two cameras on it is is quite enough to try to keep track of two cameras at once and all you know the compositional choices you have. However, once you learn that, you can add a third camera and you can actually get three shots. So that's, that's. let's just say that's number two option as far as how to get this telephoto shot worked in. Let me give it a number three option just without going into detail, just so you know what it is. That's to have a second tripod. And that second tripod then just has a single camera with a telephoto on it. So that's a lot easier to operate from a standpoint of you know, just operating that telephoto. However, if you want to move around quickly, it's nice to have all three cameras on one tripod, so you can change from one place to another without having to go back and forth carrying two tripods. Now, you can do the two-tripod thing, you know, breaking down one tripod, putting it in your backpack, and then carrying the other one with one hand. Or you can take two hands, one tripod in each hand, and move around. But that's that's a lot of weight and that's slower and you could injure yourself. I wouldn't recommend that as as a first choice. So if you have an assistant who can carry one of the tripods, then that's a good deal. But anyway, so it's like, why would you do this? Why would you put three cameras on one camera cage? And the reason is because you can work so fast. So now let's talk about that a little bit more. So camera, so the three options were number one with the two cameras set up in the basic kit. You're going to take one of the lenses off you're going to be taking that 50 millimeter prime lens that you used for your indoor tight shot you're going to take that off and you're going to put the 70 to 300 on that adapter i choose the nikon adapter because i've had a lot of problems with the canon ef adapters from viltrox um the metabones is not as problematic however it does Cost a lot of money, and there have been some people having problems even with the Metabones adapter for Canon EF, because the electronics don't always work with like the certain. I don't want to say specific cameras, but anyway, some of the good popular cameras out there, like I don't want to say which ones, have problems. Well, let me just tell you, if you're wondering, the Panasonic GH5 has had reported issues with, um, specifically the Viltrox. Sometimes I've heard that also the Metabones Canon EF adapter can cause problems. So on the on the GH5. However, if you just go with the manual focus Nikon mount, I find that it's um well it's a lot it's a lot cheaper for sure. But it's also easier to find lenses I find. So to find lenses I find. Yes. Anyway, a lot of finds there. But second method then would be the most uh, complicated method, and that is to put three cameras on this camera cage. So that brings up a question as to what am I recommending for the third camera? If you've listened to any of my earlier episodes, you'll know I've talked about some different options, but I've not come to a conclusion in this area. So I'm going to talk about a few different ways that we could go here and the first one is, uh, well, I've, I've talked about this, but I haven't done it yet because the price hasn't come down enough to be able to do this. I would get a Sony a7 III. So I went ahead of the game and I bought a Sony a7 II because they were low enough to be in what my, you know, my focus is to have a camera that's like $600 or less, so that the whole kit is very affordable for anyone to do. Well, I found an A7 II at the time for like $700, and it was a good deal. I mean, they're less than that now. It was a good deal. I bought it. I tried it. The video quality is so bad. Way worse than the Panasonic Micro Four Thirds video. So it's full frame camera, but with very bad quality video. So I had to sell it get rid of it. So why? I mean, why go full frame? I was saying to myself, why even go full frame if it's going to be that bad for the price? I mean, you know, you could go up to $2,000, $3,000 and get good quality video, obviously. Now the Panasonic S5 um, comes down in price to about about $1,600. And now you start to think, oh, should I get an S5 and make that the third camera? Or, or you know, so so at this point, a used A7 III is to me a good um, possibility, as long as the price is low enough. Now, it's not right now, so I haven't bought an A7 III. But let's just say that's that's one option for putting three cameras on one cage. And now I like the A7 III in a certain way better than the Panasonic S5 because it doesn't have a flip-out screen. So I prefer the flip-up screen, because when it's on the camera cage, I'm holding it in such a way that I'm looking down on it, and that camera cage, the left handle, you know, I've got a basically a, a, a cage that's sort of a rectangle. It, it, it Basically, the flip-out screen doesn't, doesn't help. It hits the side of the cage. So I'd rather just have it flip up even though a lot of people like the flip out for vlogging, things like that. But this situation is such that the a7 III has the flip up screen. The a7 III is just super popular. It's got a lot of quality for the money. And so that's what I might try. But that makes it work because the wide angle shot is really the shot that would benefit from full frame. Because as you know, to get a wide angle on micro four thirds, you've got to go down to like 12 11 millimeters to get just a normal sort of a wide angle. And to get a wide angle that's capable of like real estate and interiors of buildings, things of that sort, small rooms, you got to go down to about seven or eight millimeters on micro four thirds. However, on full frame, because of the larger sensor, you have a a longer focal length that gives you that wider angle. So you're your widest you'd probably be shooting at is about 16. And then even a 35 is a wide angle on a full frame camera. So there are a lot more options for wide angle on full frame. the, the really the only things that I use right now or recommend to my you know to people doing micro four thirds is like the Tokina 11 to 16 on a focal reducer or if you're not in tight, small rooms, tight spaces, then you can get away with using that lens without the focal reducer, um, which I do outdoors um, with a shift adapter. So I think that's a great great way to do it. So that would make the wide shot, the full frame, Sony a7 III, and then on top of the cage, you would put your Panasonic G85 off to the left because the flip out screen's going out to the left, And then on the right on the top you'd have the gx85 because the screen flips up so it's not going to run into the g85 that's next to it so that gives you three cameras and what's important about the two panasonic cameras is they both have very good in-body image stabilization now that's important when they're on top of the cage because they tend to to shake a little bit just because they're mounted higher so One of those would have your 50 millimeter tight shot that you that I normally use in the as as the um, like the close shot for an interview indoors on the focal reducer 51.8 with a focal reducer becomes around 35. That is one camera or the second camera, and then the third camera is the GX85 with a telephoto like that 70 to 300, 75 to 300. Now, you're looking at this thing. You're seeing this guy with a camera cage, and he's got three cameras on it. One on the top has this 70-300, to 300. one's got a 50, one on the bottom is a full-frame camera with a wide-angle lens, and you're going, whoa, what is that thing? Well, that thing is what makes it possible to shoot three shots that are simultaneous with a wide, a medium, and a telephoto shot, or wide, tight. Telly, So that makes you so versatile. (laughs) You can be on one tripod. I could have been at the sunset, you know, the scene right when the sun's coming down and about to go behind the mountains and my my telephoto shot would have cropped that in. I would have composed the wide shot first. That's always the way I do it. And then the medium shot is on a a small ball head. So it's pretty easy to, to get that to look okay. And you're rolling camera on all three shots. Now, you synchronize them in post with audio, and wow. You're like, somebody asks you, how many camera people did you have for that shoot? And you're just saying, just one. One crazy camera operator with three cameras. So so that's all you do. You basically have a... Okay, now, now let me tell you why it's so important that that telephoto, that 75 or 70 to 300, is a small, lightweight variable aperture lens. Now, that's the thing. Everyone looks down on these variable apertures of 4.5 to 5.6 on these 70 to 300 lenses. And they say, we got to have the 2.8. We got to have the constant aperture. Well, you can't put a 70 or 80 to 200 2.8 on the top of this camera rig. But so I think it's just so fun to have so many cameras going at the same time. And then... You go switch spots and you actually, one tripod to, uh, is all you got to move. So you've got the backpack on. You've got the, I sometimes carry a little camping seat, different things like that. And you just, you can move so quickly. And you've got actual footage, real footage, realistic, actual synchronized footage. Now think about this in the context of like, a you could do this for weddings. You could do this for corporate. You could do this for all kinds of stuff. Now, let's talk about the third technique really quickly because it is important. And like in the situation of sports or some other situation, you you really need to be like on the telephoto shot, the third camera, moving with it. So that's when I have to separate this out to two different tripods. So now instead of putting all three cameras on this thing that looks like a robot, you know, with one tripod and three cameras on one cage. Now you just leave two cameras on that one cage, which is the normal setup for the basic kit. That's what I do, two cameras on one tripod. So then you move your third camera to a second tripod, which has a fluid head and which is built to follow. So you're basically going to be like a sports, uh, sports filmmaker who's moving with a subject who's moving all over the place. And you're going to be on a tripod, manually, really concentrating on getting that shot. While the other tripod is static. And you are rolling your wide shot and your medium shot while you are moving around with the third camera. Now, this third camera could be on a, also be on a gimbal. It could be on a steady cam, It could be on something else that you're actually going to move a lot. You could be running around following someone. You could be doing whatever. But then, the the risk, of course, is that you get in the shot. If you don't mind that, it becomes sort of like a behind-the-scenes shot. That's totally fine. But you have to be aware of where your wide shot is, your static wide shot is, so that you don't, you know, get inside your own shot. So, those are the three techniques. And why is this so important? Well, it's so important because I find that I can't really tell a story with one camera authentically. I know it was, either, well, I can, you know, I could do it. I just reshoot. I just shoot four or five times. Well, the thing is, that's not real. Like, that's not the actual event. That's asking someone to do something over and over again. Or that's pretending that the tight shot was shot at the same time as the wide shot putting them together and making people think that was at the same time, which I know you have to do that if you, if you have only single photographer, right? A single camera operator. Well, now you can go shoot all three shots, the wide, the medium, and the tight, or what I call the wide, the tight, and the telly with one operator. And they're simultaneous, honestly, truly, authentically real shots. So This is why I like doing this. And I'm going to be putting together more materials, um, hopefully showing how I do this. Um, I've got equipment lists on kit.co. Eventually, my website's going to have some diagrams, some different things showing the, uh, the details of the list so you'll know how to put these kits together. But these are the things that really can save time. So anyway, hope it helps. This is a really fun technique. I know it's something that takes practice. That's why I kind of refer to it as juggling. But when you see the benefit and you see how fast you can move and how many things, how many shots you can get in such a short period of time, and you just get that feeling like this is real because these shots are occurring at exactly the same time. I mean, this is real. And, oh, yeah. And by the way, if you are looking for the method for the audio, that is still in the testing process. So as of right now, um, I have that concept I'm building. I call it synchronous sound, and synchronous sound means you're capturing audio at the same time as the video, as opposed to adding it in post production. So, if you're looking for that um, article or that um, podcast episode, I I had to pull that back because there's a lot of things in there that are that I said are possibilities, and I'm testing those. So I'll I'll get back to you about that one. But check out silverlightphoto.co.com/reel. And I'll keep adding stuff to that, and hopefully that'll be an interesting part of my website as well. Of course, silverlightphotoco.com has settings for cameras and audio, and it's all about saving money, making it, you know, budget filmmaking, super low budget filmmaking possible. So have a great day.